when I got everything loaded, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to wreck the yard, so let me just pull from the creek a little bit. And the ledge of the creek gave way, and the truck just, like, got swallowed up. And I was back and forth, back and forth. And this, this is what Tony will laugh. I got out by calling a buddy who had an XJ. This roundtable episode is brought to you by Tyree Lights. Tyree Lights is known as an industry leader in lighting for heavy vehicles and mining, forestry, construction, agriculture, and material handling. Now Tyree Lights Off-Road brings the same strength and quality to your Jeep. Find out more about Tyree Lights at tyreeoffroad.com. That's T-Y-R-I offroad.com. Hi, I'm Tony, and welcome to all of our new listeners, and of course, the regulars. Welcome to the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have you here for this special gathering of passionate Jeep enthusiasts. In fact, before we started recording, they were talking about breathing heavy on the other videos. Uh, that's passion. On tonight's episode, we'll be asking you, if you've made something for your Jeep, what is it? What's your worst stuck or break road solo, and how did you get back to civilization? Would you build a small rig for off-roading like a TJ, a CJ, or a CJ2A? I know what one of those is. (laughs) Do you drive your Jeep to Thanksgiving dinner? You know, whether you're a diehard Jeep enthusiast or just starting to explore the world of off-roading, we're here. We're thrilled to have you here as part of this discussion. Please consider joining the discussion by being a part of our weekly Zoom meeting. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to join. All right, let's get started with this uh, the, this pre-Thanksgiving uh, roundtable. Uh, <laughs> hello, Zoom people. Hello. Howdy. Hello. Hey, there. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> I don't hear any turkey. I just <laughs> had some wild turkeys well, at that home. Ro- somebody said Roger is uh, out deer hunting. Yeah, he's deer hunting. <laughs> so he claims. I know he's in the middle of the woods with some other guys. Roger. Deer hunting or not. Roger's going go, ah, 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 to go when he listens to this episode. Do I hear banjos? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's uh, That'll uh, that'll perk you right up uh, in, in more ways than one. All right. So uh, let's get started with this thing. Uh, how If you've made something for your Jeep, what is it? Uh, Steve from Royal Illinois. I've made my own paracord grab handles. Was it was it a mandatory thing? Was the the covering starting to get nasty on you, or you just wanted something uh, more to grab hold of? Well, there wasn't any on there. I didn't buy any, so I just made my own made my own mounts for my uh, antennas. What antennas? John Central. Jim Wrestling. Oh, okay. Go ahead, John. I just say. Um, I think the close thing I did, as you can probably tell, is I had to custom make a harness for the rock lights because it's different places. You got to go in, and though I didn't want it just to look like a bunch of jumbled up wires running around everywhere, so kind of took some time and and used the insulators, the conduits, the taste, all that stuff, and made a good harness uh, using kind of Bill's template. He posted up, but he built his. So that's probably the only thing I would say I, I made for mine. I think it's a really good idea uh, to know how to build a, a harness. It's it's not very difficult. It's a a great way to learn how to use relays uh, and move um, uh, move the the thick expensive wire uh, and move it to a more safe location. Uh, I remember the, still remember the first things that I ran. I, you know, I ran the the full twelve volts, forty amps, or whatever it was to a switch on the uh, the dash of my truck. And uh, yeah, there's really no reason to do that uh, because uh, re- using relays is so easy. 
This is Matt from North Carolina. I made it an off-road camper to pull behind it. <laughs> That's been a winter for you, haven't hasn't it? <laughs> that hasn't been too bad, but 15,000 miles, only a couple fatal uh, failures so far. Well, I mean that's that's a lot of that's a lot of miles. So, I mean, you're bound to have some issues, right? Yep. You just got to have somebody like like Larry and uh, John and Bill and the crew on the side of the road to help you out when it happens. <laughs> and to back you up, what failed isn't anything you personally made. Good point. I think it's a great point to make. <laughs> so what you're saying is you should have made more of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have needed a, a personal Larry to to fabricate the suspension personally. I think you were fabricating your own stuff. <laughs> personal Larry, that yeah, cost twenty is, bucks. <laughs> twenty bucks is twenty bucks. This Sounds is like a Larry. deal. <laughs> <laughs> this is Larry from uh, St. Louis. So I built a aluminum drawer slide out system for the back of my uh, my JL. Because there's not a lot of storage in one of those things. Hey, so that Bill from Central Texas. I actually built a uh, an ARB fridge mount that used like the factory seat bolts for the the front passenger passenger seat, so I could pull that out and drop the fridge in there to do the overland camping. But it was kind of funny because my wife came out, and looked at it, and she's like, "Well, where am I going to sit?" <laughs> I'm like, well, you're not invited. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, you don't go camping. Like, why are you? Are you having this argument? No. I thought you were going to say, uh, when I asked what you built for their Jeep, you were going to say everything when you got the 392, because nothing seemed to fit right. Like, every every single thing you bought to put on that thing had to be modified. It, but yeah, I've had to modify. Well, even on the new Jeep, I've had to, because I changed a lot of things on the interior plastics, and now there's, like, air canisters up on the, the roll bar for the airbags, and so I'm having to, anything that was made, Pre for pre twenty twenty four, I've been. It seems like I've had to tweak it or modify it or do something different. Josh from Greenville, Texas. The most recent thing is probably a cargo slash sleeping platform. And the basically, Matt built a camper trailer, and I turned my YJ into a camper mm -hmm. uh, using one one by one square tube and plywood and uh, the factory mounts for the front and back seats. This is Tony from Michigan. Yeah. I uh, I guess you could say I built a vented hood on my XJ. I just took a hole saw and drilled some holes in it. Oh, I thought you had lost a fan blade or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> trying to get rid of that dang heat soak issue. Good luck. What uh, what year is it? It's a one. Uh, honestly, uh, the time off delay for the fan for the electronic fan. And having those holes in the hood, I really haven't had the issue anymore. <laughs> That's a different issue. <laughs> Get over here if it's not running, man. <laughs> That's exactly it. It doesn't start, but it doesn't it doesn't overheat. <laughs> well, there's that. And it gets great gas mileage if you tow it. <laughs> Thanks, Devo. <laughs> hey, I had to ask. Hey, it'll be it'll be ready for uh, Winterfest or whatever the Detroit Winterfest or Fest. 
I think one of the good things about Jeeps is you don't necessarily have to build every piece of it, but I bet, you know, everybody on the call today has installed about every piece of it. So, you know, having that aftermarket following that allows you to get pieces and control arms and and stuff like that and be able to, to bolt on, whether it takes 10 hours or not, you know, full systems and do it, you know, for, for prices that are reasonable for, for what you're doing is, is a great thing about Jeeps. It yeah, feeds that, uh, feeds that itch, itch a little bit. There's, there's also, there's such a wide variety, right? Because you've got, I know in a lot of cars and aftermarket types stuff like that, you've only got like a couple of brands of suspension or a couple of brands of this or that, that are really, you know, value. The aftermarket on Jeeps is just so massive. You can pick it, even look at lift kits. I mean, you can run this company's control arms, this company's springs. This, so you can kind of say you you built your suspension by like figuring out which pieces you wanted from each each uh, kit um, as yeah. a, as you kind of put it all together. Especially as you mix and match, like we mentioned earlier, you got to start modifying each piece to coexist properly together and. Then you really feel like you made it. Yeah, this is Chip from Illinois. I, you know, I was racking my brain on something that I made, and I'm sitting there going, "Everything I've done was bolt on." I'm not a great fabricator, but my whole suspension and everything else. I mean, I, you had it's like Legos, right? I mean, you can just buy more blocks and keep building different things and get it like you want it. So, without having actually made something, I, I kind of feel like I've designed and been involved with the build and making my Jeep, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that kind of gets into the core of you know, anybody. You see a lot of stuff online about it, about the built, not bought thing, right? right? But but even at that, even if you're buying components and, and you're bolting them on, you're still going through. You're still building your rig because it, at its core, you might be a fabricator, but you're still at some point buying things. It's just a, what, what level are you fabricating it, right? You, not everybody has to cut and weld everything. And there's nothing wrong with just buying things and bolting it on. You're still building your rig. Well, you know, yeah. Larry, you've pointed out several times, because uh, I've talked to you about, uh, hey, if uh, what would it be like? What, what do you think about building this? And then you say, you'll look it up, or you'll, I'll give you an example of something that uh, that I'm looking that uh, would you know could be made. And you said, oh, I couldn't buy the material for what they're selling right. it for. So there, there's that too. I mean, you can do it just for the love of uh, designing and building, but I think more than likely it's it's just like the situation I'm in right now with the Tyree uh, Lights uh, uh, V12, I believe it is, uh, little light bar. Uh, I want to in install that on the front of the Gladiator, but I do not have a mount for it. Uh, I'm not going to just uh, mount it straight onto the bumper. It needs to kind of be there in the middle and just above uh, the fair lead. And I need to take me some just a simple piece of metal, uh, bend it a little bit, uh, cut it up uh, slightly. And if I had a welder and knew how to weld, uh, I think the job would be a lot easier. Hell, if I if I had a plasma cutter and a welder, it would be a lot easier to, to, to build. But then again, how often am I going to be doing these things? So quite often, the bolt-on is just the sensible option to go with. I, I know a guy down in Austin that has a welder you can use. Oh, good. I don't have to drive uh, <laughs> four hours. Come on up. Come on up. We'll figure it out together. <laughs> I think nowadays the biggest difference between built, not bought, 
is there's a lot of guys that are walking into these shops like most wanted four by four uh unlimited other places like that here's a wad of cash build me a rig i'm gonna go drive it that's bought now the guys that built the rig they built it but yeah i was at an off-road event and i saw this really cool tj that was just built up on 60s and I just couldn't stay away from it. So I'm over there. I'm crawling under it. I'm looking at it. The owner's standing there, you know, bragging to everybody. And I started asking him questions about parts and how he, <laughs> what he put where. Oh, no. He goes, I don't know. I just bought this a month ago. And I'm like, <laughs> he had no clue what, what even any of the parts were. And, and there's well, nothing wrong with that. But to me, that's, that's a lot of the fun. You know, the, the turmoil that you go through, not only figuring out what to go on there, but the issues that you run into uh, installing it or the working with the installer even uh, to, to, you know, get it right. And there's all these little things. The What is it everybody says? It's the it, it's not the destination. It's the, the, the adventure. It's the journey. The, the journey, yeah. So you're, you're keeping, you're, you're, not part, you're not doing part of that journey thing. Uh, so... Yeah, this Part is Pat from. Too is, no, I'm sorry. This is Pat from Central Iowa. Um, I, I I'm not a fabricator like like a lot of folks, but um, I do take pride in my vehicle, and so I like to do as much as I can on my own. And so I I I don't ever have parts installed by someone. I always install them because I want to see how they go on. I want to understand what's happening, right. and I want to continue to push and learn different things um and so i i bought some rock sliders uh a while back and i was looking at them and i thought well that'd be kind of cool that i like those so i'll put those on but i didn't like the way they they started out so i, I installed a bunch of led lights inside of them and wired them out okay. so that they would work in a in with uh with when you unlock the vehicle they kind of illuminate and do some of those things mm -hmm. so i kind of mm -hmm. like to build those personal touches for myself i can't i'm not larry and i i can't build myself a, a receiver vice and all those things that's the great thing about having people like that out there is you can just buy those from them hopefully someday larry um but you can <laughs> but but i i do take pride in kind of customizing and doing some things on my vehicle my way and i i, I really enjoy that and that's I don't get out crawling like everyone else does, but I really like building out my vehicle and making it personal to me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, yeah, and, and, and to me, that's at its core. Is that you, as long as you're enjoying your rig, whether or not you're building everything on it or bolting it on, the key thing is you're getting out and enjoying it when you can, because none of us get out as much as we would like to. Mm -hmm. You're talking about built. You're also talking about using the right tools. And like I said the other day, I think on Discord, we were talking, I kind of hit the end of my ability with that stuck lug and all that kind of stuff. I use the ultimate tool that, that solves a lot of that, you know, pull out credit cards. <laughs> and say, hey, I need the right tool for the right job, right? I mean, there's there's things that I will try to tackle, but um, I, never, I never really look down on someone that takes something to a shop, right? I mean, especially if it's a local shop. That that's going on because you know that's that's also a local business. You're you're kind of giving back local there, and a lot of times the shops are heavily involved in the you know the the jeeping community and everything that's that's there local. So 
no built my no butt is it's 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 all relative like i think someone said before you can you can build a lot of stuff for your jeep like from harnesses to larry's vice all of them are, are different different levels but no, there's no problem that can't survive the correct application of plastic well, you, exactly. you know the big, the biggest one I see on those is when people say "built not bought," and they go out and they buy a a roll cage to put in their their Jeep. Well, wait a minute, you might be building a roll cage, but you didn't bend the tubing. So how, <laughs> how so how far so how far do you take it, right? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I laugh at the, get the your not bought. Get your ass out there to the mine and dig up that that uh, ore so you can yeah. uh, smelt that metal. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, built versus bought. The only problem I have with, you know, the guys that go out and buy it and don't build it. And I understand, you know, not everybody's got the mechanical abilities or the tools or even the space to do the work. The only problem I have with the bought is the guys that buy it and don't learn anything about it. Yeah, they go out and wheel it, and they break it, and then they just, you know, oh, I just call my mechanic. I don't care. I just want to play with it. It's mm -hmm. almost it's almost to the side-by-side -side mentality. And to answer my own question, I guess this is, you know, what I build, that mirror right there that lights up when I see another Jeeper at night, give a little wave to everybody. When I see it's a Jeep and I recognize the lights, sometimes the LJs get by me and I don't wave, but <laughs> still. You need to that's, track that's those some bitches thing. down and say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I, I missed a wave. Here, here you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I fabricated that. It, you know, a little idea popped in my head and it took me a while to get it right. And it, it's still working. I have two different models and I love it. But that's just, you know, most of my other parts on my Jeep were bolt-on. I bolted them on, and I've modified quite a bit of it because, you know, it doesn't quite fit right or doesn't fit the way they want it to be. So I had to make it fit my application. So, Keith, is that like on a contact switch then? You can just give it a quick push and it lights up? Yeah, I've got a switch on uh, my shifter knob. Uh, bought a shifter knob with a button in it. And wired it up. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like. I got it wired up so it's momentary, so I can just push it and just wait, give it a little wave. Or if I'm parked somewhere at a Jeep event and it's, you know, cloudy day or dark, I can flip the switch and it'll just stay on. Can and you, it's RGB, so it's multicolored. Can you put a multiple uh, a multiple position switch on there and uh, choose to do the, the wave, but only with... Uh, a thumb and a finger showing. <laughs> How did I know that was coming? <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, I can make, hey, Tony, I can make it go red. Oh, there we go. He, he's going straight for the straight for the, the, the feels there on me. That that'd be perfect. <laughs> I think red with the middle finger would be perfect, actually. <laughs> Man, I think a big part uh, or a big point between the built not bought thing uh you know really for most of us in, in what we do with the jeeps is are you calling matt or rory on a trail when you when you get broke or stuck or do you know enough about what you've done with your jeep to at least try to fix it yourself or you, know, you and your buddies get out of it right well I, and i think that's an interesting thing and sometimes when you see somebody 
uh, do the, the repair, you go, I could have done that. A lot of it, I think, has to do with confidence. And the confidence comes from you bolting on the parts or choosing the parts mm-hmm. and, and being successful at it. So I, I don't think that any of the stuff that anybody does, I mean, there's some, some real masters out there, of course, mm-hmm. but I think the majority of the time, you, uh, you, you absolutely can do what everybody else can do. I mean, I've never welded, but I, it's not something I don't think I can do. I just need to get a welder and mess with it, and I'm sure I'd be fine at it. I mean, I've taught myself how to do a lot of things. And Matt, Matt says that as I called him up on, what, was it Monday or Sunday? I'm like, hey, I just installed my lift on my Jeep and something's going wrong. Turns out we used a improper torque wrench and my wheel lugs basically came loose. But I was tearing through everything underneath before I even looked at the lugs. And that was the very first thing Matt said. He goes, check your lugs. And I'm like, no, they're good. And they weren't good. That was the issue. Wow. But Jeep's good. Um, did you mess up? Note, did, did you mess up any of the uh, the the, uh, the the studs? Did, did it get that bad? No, no. They, no. Well, they they were about to come off. Literally, when I say about to come off, I was about to lose my tire like that. You know, this is shit that you do you with the once before. This is shit that you do with the ninety eight. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the eighty nine. Yeah. Not not the the twenty three or twenty two, whatever it is that you have there. Yeah. Uh, hey, but, quick question I mean, for you. On, quick solid. question for you, Travis. Uh, is it true that you were trying to put the 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 like instead of Rubicon on your uh, uh, eighty nine YJ that you were going to put a uh, long story short, but that sticker was too long? <laughs> no, that'd be I a great name for your Jeep. Stickers on it. <laughs> long story short. <laughs> well, back to back to your story. The only thing I've built, I built a few things for the YJ, the new the JL. I've, I've added all the parts that helped. I was a part of installing that lift. I did not 100% do it alone. Um, but the YJ, actually, the window, if you run a tonneau cover, a wind jammer, and a bikini top, in the summer, I pull my hard top off, there's a big gap there in the window between the window and the roll bar. And I designed and built a plastic window that actually ties into the wind jammer with the straps that run around, and it keeps the weather out. It's not 100% perfect, but that's one of the biggest complaints I see on the YJ pages. And I share that with everybody. I'm like, it's really simple to do and give them the design and where to cut. And But you just, I, I saw it as a problem to be fixed. And I built, I had my rear window knocked out of my hardtop. I put plastic up. I ended up rebuilding the side windows with that. But just get an idea, build something. Yeah, I actually, uh, I think it's uh, uh, something good to point out that I think a lot of people think that fabrication has to do with welders and uh, metal and cutting and all the rest of that stuff. Sometimes it has to do with uh, 3D printers. Uh, Larry actually yeah. made a, a mount uh, for the uh, the face of the uh, Ocean uh, GMRS radio. So uh, there's multiple ways that you can make modifications to your Jeep and uh, make it do something that um, the majority of people can't do. I think one thing that's really interesting when you look at like all the, the, the small companies that have gotten bigger and bigger on the Jeep side aftermarket, they normally start with taking an issue that they experienced in the, on the trail, right? And that's the first thing they make, you know, uh, and, and they, then they grow from there. So you see, a, you know, a lot of small, like what, more flakes, you know, there's, there's a lot of air inflation guys. I think Metal Cloak started with just fenders because they couldn't find a fender they liked. 
So well, you know, a lot Steve, of those Steve at Power Tank. things create. Yeah, Steve company. at Power Tank. He goes, well, I think I could do this. And then people were going, hey, can you make me one of those? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just uh, uh, you seeing a problem and coming up with a solution for it. It's got to be really irritating, too, uh, when you come up with a solution and it's a popular solution and then people start uh, copying you. Um, I mean, I know that's just the way life is, and it doesn't mean that somebody can't come up with a, a, a better uh, a better tool, a better device, uh, but it's uh, it's got to be a little irritating, um, especially if they come out with crap, and it, it's, it's a, a cheap knockoff of what you've come out with. They can afford the patent lawyer. You can't. <laughs> A lot, but that's gonna the, the problem I think with that, especially like with Steve's area, if somebody buys a cheap knockoff CO2 tank system and they go in and they start using it, and then they get a bad taste on a CO2 system as a whole and go a different direction. So, yeah, that that mm-hmm. subpar deployment of it. Um, but sometimes it's uh, it works the other way around. I think Matt, I'm still interested to see Matt's uh review on that air compressor he got that's just like an ARV, um, which you know. I mean, it looks an awful lot like one, even though it's not. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and to a point, you know, I think that's, you know, the guys that are making things in the States and not outsourcing, you know, it's, I, I think that comes from, you, you get somebody to mass produce it in China, they're going to, they're going to sell it out from under you. You, you do something custom no one else can do, then it's, it, you know, it's either going to be more expensive for them to do the reverse engineering and actually build it than it is to just, you know, call that company and be like, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll give I'll give you the same price, and I'm going to sell it for less than 100 percent margin." Right? Mm-hmm. Well, and this is uh, this is why um, you shouldn't be timid about your ideas because mm-hmm. I think it's simple. Uh, and and I know that this this is a it's a lot easier than it sounds, but I think it's simple coming up with one good idea. But if you're imaginative and you you really look at things and li- and actually listen to people what people tell you uh, because people will give you ideas it's that that generation of more than just that one product and if you keep you know mm. keep going uh, it, well it's just like kind of the US and China the China does a lot of uh, copying of the United States but the United States are the idea people uh, we come up with the stuff. We come mm-hmm. up with the new stuff, and you can do the same thing in business. So, and I think you, that's what you see some the, from some of the really successful businesses is they got a good idea guy, um, and that uh, they continuously come up with something. R and D, R and D stands for rip yes. off and duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I thought that was going. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, good discussion there on that one. Uh, built not bought. That's always a popular subject. And everybody has a, a different way of thinking about it. Um, I, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, <clears throat> I know. Uh, I don't. Well, actually, I don't know if you guys know or not. But in ham radio, they do something similar. They have uh, they the, some hams look down on other uh, other hams that uh, they call appliance operators because they never build anything. They just buy some gizmo. Uh, the newest best radio, and and I think there's some jealousy there, especially if you if you buy a a seven thousand dollar radio, and uh, the uh, the other people can't afford that; they have to build their own. And yes, you can still build uh, build ham radios. All right, so what's your worst stuck or break off road solo? Things that we tell you never to do, never to go off road solo. But you know, there's always F.U. Bob, and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do. 
Oh, and uh, how did you make it back to civilization? Well, this is Chip from Illinois. I guess when I first got into jeeping, I didn't know better than to go by myself. Oh, nice. And nice save. I was, in, I was in a little stock CJ5, and there's a creek that's up the road about 15 miles from my house. And uh, but called a buddy and said, hey, I want to go to that creek bottom. Uh, what do you think? Well, I make it. And he goes, you should be okay. It hasn't, <laughs> rained, it hasn't rained for a couple of weeks. So I take my little CJ5 up there, not lifted, no winch, no toe straps, nothing. Just me and the Jeep and my wife and the kid. And we go down in those bottoms. Made it pretty far, except we got to this one place that I just dropped into a hole and I was done. And we're not in cell range because it's down in the bottom. So we have to walk out, call some, call my friend and said, hey, you told me I'd be okay. He goes, no, I told you you should be. <laughs> he remembers <laughs> said, every word. Where are you at? He asked where I was. And, and I said, well, I'm down kind of in the middle. There's a tree. There's a stump. He goes, oh, oh, I know I right where you're at. I wouldn't that go down there. <laughs> that, he goes, I wouldn't have gone through that. And I'm like, oh, son of a so, so he goes, well, I'll call. He said, I don't have a winch either, and I don't. I really can't come get you. He goes, I'll call a buddy. So we have a mutual friend that's into side by sides. So I, this guy shows up with his side by side about forty five minutes later, with a little twenty five hundred pound winch, and hooks onto a tree and pops me out enough that I can get out and go. And I'm sitting here one disgusted. He goes, Yeah, you're the third jeep I pulled out. So I was pissed that a side by side pulled me out one. But how embarrassing. But, but the good news of this one, my wife said, we need to buy a winch. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ooh, so nice. Like, yes. So, you, so, still, so you, you still haven't owned up to this plan that you uh, you put in place so that you could buy a winch. <laughs> <laughs> You're still At telling the story. you didn't say you need to buy a side-by-side. -side. <laughs> no, my God. <laughs> you well, know, yeah, I see. and I'll just I mention this. Side-by-sides are just way. fine. It just, it, it's kind of like BMW owners. They... The BMW owners tend to tend to be assholes. <laughs> so you you remember Nikki's joke, right? Which one? The good one. The difference <laughs> between a porcupine and a and a BMW. The oh, bricks are on the outside. On the oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you own one. That's all right. It, it, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody. I mean, uh, I got an XJ, and everybody has a joke for about an XJ. So on the on the solo stick, my, my worst one wasn't a Jeep, and the trail was my front yard ish. It was I had a a, a twenty five hundred HD Silverado lifted. Um, it was thirty seven, and uh, I was trying to load a four wheeler on the back. And the side of my property had like a, a grass slope. I was like, oh, let me get down by the creek that runs along the side of it there, and I can just drive right on. And then. When I got everything loaded, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to wreck the yard, so let me just pull from the creek a little bit. And the ledge of the creek gave way, and the truck just, like, got swallowed up. And I was back and forth, back and forth. And this, this is what Tony will laugh. I got out by calling a buddy who had an XJ. <laughs> and he actually showed up with a uh, strap, and he put it on the front of that. He pulled that sucker out of my front yard creek bed, which it was... I was laying frame like it was completely bottomed out. It it was just that black clay gunk or whatever is what oh, I was man. in, and he he ripped me out of that out of that whole thing. There it was uh, here in Arkansas actually is where it was. So wasn't on the trail, stuck in my own front yard, but I was technically by myself. It was the only other vehicle was my wife's car. So 
that wasn't going to yank me out. So how long was it before his transmission went out? <laughs> well, I think uh, that XJ, I don't think there was a lot of Jeep left in it. It was, it was pretty uh, well built. I think he had it on like, it was on 40s tons, all kinds of stuff. And he, uh, he was uh, the store manager of a Cabot Tire and Off-Road, if you're in Arkansas area and know that shop. So, um, but real good guy. He came came over, didn't charge me anything, just kind of came over and pulled me up. Out. They really didn't take him that much either. He kind of hooked on and was able to yank me out really quick, which I was surprised because the 2500 HD is not a light vehicle. So, and buried up, it was not wanting to move. Well, the XJ is just magic, and not everybody realizes that, so. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, they really are. And the, the transmission, the AW4, that's a Toyota transmission. It's really hard to kill. But isn't the AX15, is that the Pujo transmission? No, you're thinking of the BA10. Mm. Came on the very early XJs, uh, TJs, and Comanches. That sounds like an XJ owner. <laughs> <laughs> The X15 is the one everybody wants. That's another. That's another Azen Toyota transmission. On the solo side, um, I was out in the middle of winter doing some snow wheeling at. Uh, oh, it's not really a park. It's a private farm that they open up a couple times a year to people to go wheeling. I went by myself. There were other people there, and. Uh, was backing up trying to turn around ran over something popped my tie rod out had both wheels pointed out real bad i just you know jacked it up pulled the ball joint off screwed it back on hope the threads held got it as straight as i could get it and drove it home so you just didn't have a lot of thread engagement that's why it popped out uh well I figured out why it popped. Um, my travel and my steering was too much, so the tie rod was hitting the diff cover, and I have hydraulic-assisted steering. <laughs> so that little extra plus yeah. hitting the bump popped it right out of the threads. Well, that, that, that sounds like it was an easy fix. So uh, did you take the uh, time to align it uh, while you were out there, get proper alignment? <laughs> uh, not proper. <laughs> I, I eyeballed that sucker. But I did I drove it uh, about 80 miles home on the interstate, and it did pretty good. Once I got home, I uh, pulled it all apart and gave it a proper alignment. Right. Yeah. It wasn't easy doing it in the snow and cold. Moving our wheeling sucks. But still, it's funny. Actually, once you get moving, driving, even if it's a long drive, it's, it's better than just being stuck and having to... That you know you got to fix something, so there's a there's a relief of actually getting back uh, uh, headed home. And when you oh, when yeah. you're getting close, you're thinking to yourself, okay, if I break down right here, I can still make it. I can walk home, and then I'll get this, that, and the other. You're always working out the the alternative plan. And then when you pull in the driveway, you go, yeah, yeah, I knew I was going to make it. <laughs> that's where all, that's where I breakdowns always happen. Is on the way home. Yeah, or or on the way to Moab. <laughs> oh yeah so so my worst one in the jeep is, isn't bad it was uh we were it was like late october uh coming back we we made it all the way to the top of the world taking our pictures or whatever and it was about dusk and probably 
I don't know, a quarter mile back in, we we slid a slide a sidewall on a rock ledge and had and had to change the tire there, um, which which was rough enough. But the the worst one I think I've ever done is uh, back in college twenty years ago. I had a uh, an old forerunner going back to the Toyotas and had done a body lift where you had to weld in extensions on the shifters. And I got stuck in a mud pit and then managed to break the shifter extension, like flush with the top of the transmission. And uh, we were able to uh, basically pull apart the entire console, get to the top of the transmission, uh, release the, uh, the circlip that held in the actual shifter and shifted it with a hammer and a screwdriver so that we could we could shift it enough and rock it back and forth enough to get it out of the mud pit and, uh, and then drove it home probably 50 miles in second gear because that was his, uh, the, the, the best gear I could take off with and drive with. I've got an XJ one. It was like mid-January. My grandma had a house up in northern Michigan, St. Helen. It was back on some like forest roads, and me and my sister were up there visiting her in my XJ, and we had to go to town. Well, there's two ways to town. There's all the dirt forest roads that are unplowed, untouched, about a foot and a half of snow, or there's the roads, which are plowed and salted. I took the roads into town. But then decided to take the back roads back. I was hot shotting around. My sister's anxiety spiked up. She somehow talked me into trying to turn around and go back the other way. Terrible idea. I ended up getting stuck. It was like 9 o'clock at night. Dark. Middle of the woods. No cell service. Pretty much worst scenario. All of a sudden, we hear snowmobiles coming. It's some locals I knew. We jumped on the snowmobiles, went back to my grandma's. I ended up waiting for her boyfriend, who was coming up later that night, with his snowmobiles. As soon as he got there, I snowballed one of his snowmobiles and a bag of salt. Went down to my XJ, which was still just kind of in the middle of the road. Not even a trail, just road. Stuck. Threw a bunch of salt under the tires, got it unstuck where I knew I could get it out. Drove back to the house, got the boyfriend to drive me back to the Jeep. It was like a four-hour ordeal. I was so pissed. That was the moment I knew. I was made it set in stone. I will never listen to my passenger's anxiety. <laughs> but did it overheat? <laughs> no, it loves winter time. Yes, Tony. Like I said, you should bring it on up. Join us other days. <laughs> yeah, seventy degrees. Uh, it does okay on lo- on long trips for me. Well, I don't know about passengers, but never listen to your sister. Yeah. So yeah, I, especially that one. I'm wondering if this is going to bring up a colorful story at Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, remember that time you had me turn around? I, I was just talking about this the other day. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, 100%. 100%. So back in my YJ days, which I still own and have. I was going to uh, say. 94. 94. Um, picked a girl up, went on a date. We're running around 
And then just back in 94, what much to do, you're outside, you're doing things. By her house, when I went to pick her up, I saw basically a, a power line trail. And I'm like, let's go up there. And I went up, and, and it was up a good hill off the side of the road. Got up the hill. was great. But it had been raining, and we got stuck in mud. I mean, it was just nasty. Uh, no cell phones, nothing. Her house wasn't too far. I carried her out. I think I've mentioned this story before, but I carried her out. Uh, we got to the road, walked her home. She was able to drive me home in her car. And the following day, I went and got some buddies to tow the Jeep out. But we got stuck. I had to carry her out in the mud. I wasn't dressed for four-wheeling. Uh, but it was a good story and a good time. And, and it was actually fun. I mean, it was a nightmare at the same time, but I don't regret it. And that's a good memory I've got. Wasn't that your virginity story, Travis? What's that? Wasn't that your virginity story? <laughs> no, that, no, that was that was long before that. That because that was ninety four. Yeah, he was scared. Going to go back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was the girl's yeah. name Mandy? No, this was bad. <laughs> this was best. But no, the 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 other story I've got. I was actually being a rebellious kid. I was taking out street signs. Um, growing up in my parents' house, that's where I was living. I had a, a stairwell. I was in the bedroom above the, the garage, and I had my own stairwell. So I was collecting street signs and putting them in the stairs. And that's when <laughs> I was taking out a street sign, and there was a ditch right behind it. It was at night. You know, it was 2 midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. But I rolled my Jeep on its side, climbed out, ran to my buddy's house, banged on his window, and we towed it out that night. Threw all the signs back good. in the Jeep. <laughs> That had I, I, out. Sound, yeah, son was son went home with me. I did not. I'm like no. So that ditch for forever uh, has ever since that time. It's been called karma. Karma. Yeah. I still drive by that same area, and I don't know how I didn't realize that ditch was directly behind that sign on the road. Rolled my jeep in the side. That's that's growing up with a Jeep. That's being a stupid kid when you don't have internet, phones, or anything. It's just get out and live life and have fun. Oh, it's the, cause mistakes or learn from it. Youngins are still stupid with all those things. Yes, <laughs> you, you just got to make sure you have enough beer to last the whole stuck. Uh, there was never any beer involved back then. No spillage either. <laughs> that's what somebody needs to come up with is a a beer holder for the Jeep so that even if you roll it over it uh, it stays upright doesn't spill any of the beer next million dollars Jeep talk show idea <laughs> it's on a gimbal call it hold my beer yeah <laughs> well, you want to bet Chuck's already solved that problem <laughs> learned a long so are you telling ago. me none of you guys used a fishing cup holder or a boat cup holder in your vehicle so that no matter what, it stays upright. One of those that no. swings that mounts on the dash of the boat. I bet you Rick did, did or does. I've never Good used idea. a gimbal cup holder. <laughs> we used to we used to use them all the time growing up. Well, I don't know about everybody else. Enough, you didn't have to do that. I don't I don't set a beer lo- down long enough to worry about cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Bob had one on his Hot Wheel. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> It only takes a couple times before your passenger says, fuck you. I'm not holding your beer anymore. <laughs> this shit always ends badly. I've never found a cup bad. holder that'll hold a 25-ounce roadie. 
I've always thought they solved that problem with a helmet and some straws. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump over to this uh, this next uh, question. Uh, would you build a small rig for off-roading, like a TJ, a CJ, or a CJ2A? Hi, this is John again. I, I've been thinking about something along those lines. I don't think I will just because of how much I've got invested in my current one. But like today, out on the trails, watching Rick and that little TJ, and just you know, we were going down some some pretty aggressive trails. I mean, Hot Springs has got some pretty pretty dang good uh, obstacles to get around. And you would watch kind of Kevin and I the angles we were taking. We were off camber. We were way up. We were slamming our rock rails, and we were, we're going over these. And here comes T behind us, Rick, and Rick is just like. Uh, just zigging and zagging and just kind of going around this stuff and, and oh, going the same place we were going. Those two and doors were really thing. nimble. Yeah. It it was it was pretty There was several times we were leaning way over. He wasn't because, you know, he wasn't spread that far apart. And it was just, that, that little two-door wheelbase is, is pretty impressive. I think there's other times, like the drop-in when it was straight down <laughs> really steep, that I don't know if I'd want to be in that short of a wheelbase. Tony, I, I kind of take offense at your question. I mean, really, you guys that are driving SUVs and minivans out there with four doors and all this space, <laughs> those of us that are in two-door vehicles, I mean, it's it's obvious. Those were the original Jeeps. I mean, I, I've yep. got a 2A, I've got a CJ5, I've got a CJ7. and my you're just bragging. My JKU, <laughs> he no, found I his like opportunity <laughs> I like to jump doors. in there. Two doors are great, man. Yeah. No, I like we but how big is that JK? How big is that JK? JK compared to that CJ2A or whatever? That by I, can fit, I can fit behind the wheel without rubbing my belly on the steering wheel. But other than that... So the girdle's I working. Had, I've, I've not had the 2A off-road yet, but I want to so bad. It's But that's like listening to Chuck talk about doing the Rubicon in, in his little two-doors. You know, it, the longer wheelbase versus the shorter wheelbase, but... I love the, how nimble and how I can get through a lot of obstacles in a two-door. So. Well, that, that was the whole idea about the Jeep. I mean, it was small because of the, the weight and everything and uh, shipping, uh, uh, you know, to Europe uh, for World War II, Europe and, uh, and the uh, Pacific. Uh, but it's it's really neat how you can just get in and around stuff. I mean, uh, I think it was, I, I believe his name's Mike uh, with Hellwig. Uh, I watched some of the videos that he had done. And I remember, I think that, I think I remember this right. Uh, I remember him complaining about being forced to put on a roll bar. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Your deep spark. He had that ride. Yeah. He had to have a roll bar because, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, I, w- I want something to keep this off of me <laughs> when I flip it, please. <laughs> well, I mean, if that thing is going to flip, don't you just jump out of it? I don't even know if those things have seatbelts, right? It's like a Wiley Coyote thing. You jump out my, before it hits. My 47-ish CJ2 did not have factory belts, no. It's got lap belts now. That's it. Yeah, so that thing, you just kind of off-road. You just kind of lean out of it and just if, get up and hope it doesn't roll too far. We die like draw. <laughs> if you draw a line, If you draw a straight line from the top of the windshield frame down to the hood and the back of the Jeep, if you're below the line, if you're below the top of the line of the windshield, theoretically it has enough structural integrity to hold the jeep up and not crush you but that was also it's also aged 75 or 80 years so take that for what it's worth 
I just I just find it really interesting seeing those uh, going off road and uh, there there is no articulation, there is no flexing. It's just this flat thing fl- flopping around and just going anywhere it's pointed. It's just really cool. More lockers. I mean, I've, every time, everyone I've seen out there, at least on the trails that I've seen in person, they, they, none of them have had lockers. Right. I mean, it was they, they just and they only got like a little little small four banger. So it's not like they're putting down a ton of horsepower either. Uh, yeah, the original L134 was 60 horsepower. Yeah, it, 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 and top end is about 45 mile an hour, but... It, it will do 60. Oh, with the overdrive? No, no, no. Stock 3-speed CJ2 will do 60, but that is literally the engine's top engine speed whenever you're running 60. It'll do it, but it won't do it for long. You won't, you won't have a long-lasting Jeep if you run it at 60. Sometime around forty-five or fifty, it, and the and the, the steering's a little loose, and I'm going from ditch to ditch. I'm not, I don't know that I want to run sixty in that little thing yet. Mine, my my drive's that. really good. Nice. Well, then nice. I would say then that that goes back to the, uh, the the newer Jeeps you're talking about the, the SUVs and the, the minivans there. So I, I had to throw went out, out there and yeah, I hit quite a few of those uh, pretty pretty decent obstacles today, and then. Came right back down the interstate at eighty miles an hour. Right, right. It just—it's oh, the technology is amazing. Yes, you know, I was I was sold on two door jeeps. That's what my dream was when I was watching all the commercials growing up. I wanted a jeep, and my idea with a jeep was a CJ. Well, you know, you know, they still make two door jeeps. Nobody buys. I mean, most people don't buy them, but it's uh, a three to one ratio. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, somewhere, More and and whenever the TJ and YJ were around, the XJ outsold both of them by about three to one. I would say if you're getting out and you want to bring stuff with you, I mean, <laughs> four doors are great. I think the, the 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 difference though is if we're talking about a pure wheeling experience. You know, I've been on the been on the trails with with the two doors, and it's it's pretty amazing the the nimbleness they have and, and kind of what they can do on the trail. That being said, the up and down. But not the off camber stuff that scares the crap out of me. But the, the you know the the pitch up and down doesn't really bother me that much on my four door. I would think that if I was in a two door, I may be the other way around. Like that that pitch up and down may make me a little at, bit uh clinching. At Moab, uh, coming off of some of those waterfalls, and you guys are in the four doors out there, and your front wheels are already on the ground, and you're rolling away from the obstacle while your rear wheels are coming down. My whole Jeep is nose down, and I, my front wheels haven't come down yet, and my back wheels are off the back. That is a pucker factor. So there are benefits to the longer wheelbase for sure, right? That's why the LJ is so capable, or you get into the four doors. So there's advantages, but also I won't turtle as quickly either. So it's pros and cons. It's give and take. It's what you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and you have I think to- that's why, I mean, really, the LJ is the unicorn, right? Do you have, you know, if... And and if they made one of those now, you know, it, would it, would it sell great? Probably not because you know everybody wants a four door. But um, you know, is is that really the right Jeep? Right, like you know, add ten inches to the wheelbase, and you know, blend the best of the of the two door and the four door. That's the, why LJs are hard to get now. Right, right around, brother, right around got an LJ. Inches. I'd love to have it. Right around a hundred inches seems to be the magic number. The, XJs were like 101. The TJUs were about 101. Uh, that seems to be like a good in-between number for wheelbases. I think the uh, 
the way the LJs are though now, it's probably cheaper to to buy a TJ and stretch it than it is to try to find one of those LJs that that are in good enough shape to, and, and to pay the up. price for it. Yeah, or yeah. build a two 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 foot chassis from scratch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do the what was that that uh, Ian Johnson built? Uh, what was that? It was a basically just a complete two chassis, and then he bought a TJ. Just so we could take the VIN number and like some of the body panels and put oh. on it. Do, do you guys remember the when we were out running on Hell's Revenge at EJS? There was that white Jeep that was painted up with a mail carrier sign on it, and she went. Yeah, down through, it, she went through the hot tub. It's a right hander. Yeah, it was at SEMA. Yeah, it, it was at SEMA. Well, the girl that drives that's named Diana Dare, and she popped up on my Facebook feeds today. So. I'm in the process of reaching out to her to see she's, and it's a Yukon, I think was the booth of SEMA, but uh, she might be a prospect for Chick Chat. Yeah. So her, her husband wheels, it's called one bad LJ, right? He, they, they wheel together. Okay. It's a stretch LJ. It's kind of comparable, but it's not a uh, right-hand drive, obviously. Well, another great uh, episode of the the Roundtable episode. We do this every Tuesday night. It starts about 7.30 p.m. Central Time. You can be a part of it. We'd love to have you on here. I'm sure you listen to these things and you wish that you uh, had been part of the conversation to uh, you know, express something that happened to you when you were uh, a breakdown that you had on a solo adventure or uh, a small rig that maybe you have or maybe the, the small rig that you want to get to take wheeling because it's just too damn easy with all the, the built-up rig that you have now. So think about joining us. Uh, it's it's simple to do. Uh, I think everybody has been on a Zoom meeting because of uh, the COVID thing. So it, it is just that simple. And actually... You don't have to talk. You can just come and join and listen to everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, if, if you do think of something that you got to say, at least you don't have to just uh, scream at your phone uh, or, or comment under your breath so uh, nobody hears you, especially if you're at work and in Cubieville uh, and they hear you talking about uh, Jeeps to some unknown party. <laughs> come join us. You just go to jeeptalkshow.com uh, slash contact to find out how. Hey, coming up on our next uh, Jeep Talk Show interview episode, that's every Friday, uh, Greg of Underground Graphics, that's undergroundgraphics.com. He, uh, he, he did the, uh, the, the logos for the XJ, the, the Jeep Talk Show XJ, and the Jeep Talk Show Gladiator. He's also been doing uh, graphics for uh, Bill uh, that, uh, with his 392 and now his, uh, his brand new 2024 JL. Yes, the two-door. And that brings us to the end of this Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode. Thanks to our Zoom Room people for sharing their time and opinions today. Oh, and thanks again to Tyree Lights for sponsoring this Roundtable episode. Have a look at the amazing lights they have to offer at TyreeOffRoad.com. I have Tyree Lights on my 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, and I never have to be afraid of the dark again. Remember to support the companies that support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. Visit TyreeOffRoad.com. That's T-Y-R-I-Offroad.com. And as a Patreon subscriber, you can use a, a very nice uh, TyreeOffRoad.com uh, uh, coupon code whenever you make your purchase. So if you're a new listener to the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable, consider joining us for the recording via our Zoom meeting. Again, check out JeepTalkShow.com contact to find out how and when to join. 
Remember to subscribe to our Patreon at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You see a pattern here? All you have to do is go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And uh, once you uh, subscribe as a Patreon subscriber, you can unlock exclusive perks and join our Jeep uh, community. Until next time, keep those Jeeps running strong. Hit those trails with confidence. And remember, it's not just a vehicle. It's a way of life. This has been Tony hosting the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode. And we'll catch you on the next ride. Oh, and of course... Happy Thanksgiving. Broadcasting since 2010. But one does it far more effectively and far faster than the other one. Correct. It's the it's like the the wheeling idea. I think it's like like you like the idea of the old jeeps and and everything else, but you're right. It's just there's so much more capable even when you go from the jk to the jl maybe you're not stopped yeah. with camel to f22 territory <laughs> but it's it's still it's still a big jump just in in the stuff you have like i mean come on the forward-facing cameras that are just there i mean the technology that's in it <laughs> make things a lot easier uh when you're when you're out there with those it, it yeah. is easier you know i will both the yj and the and the jlu and it is easier, but I agree with Greg and, and Chuck where, you know, it takes a lot of skill out. You know, Tony's mentioned a lot, like, at the adaptive cruise control. I don't put my foot on the gas or brake driving to and from work. I sit back. I am no longer driving. And Josh would say this left and right. How much are you allow, allowing the Jeeps to do for you and you're no longer in control? And that is where I'm at with this JLU. I no longer am in control. I'm letting the technology attempt the trails where, yes, I'm steering. I'm listening to, you know, a spotter, a little driver, a little passenger. But the reality of it is the Jeep's doing everything. Front cameras on. I don't think it's saying you're not in control because, I mean, you're just in control of the technology you have. Right? I mean, if if you're looking at those older Jeeps, I mean, you could say going, well, I used to be in a, a horse, and I could control that horse, right? Now you're just letting machinery climb up that hill. I mean, there's always going to be that argument. You're still in control. You're just in control of...